0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Library Talks podcast. This is a show where we talk about books, and we talk about the topics around books. We talk about topics that interest us, that we have a personal investment in. Uh, this is the show all about literary titles that have a literal impact on our lives and yours. Thank you very much for joining me. I am Josh, and I am your host. And with me, I have Kelly. Say hello, Kelly. Hello, Josh. Brilliant. Say hello, Olu. Hello, Josh. And we also have Romana. Say hello, Romana.
1: Hi. Brilliant.
0: Thank you, guys. Uh, Well, I mean, very special hello to you, Romana. You're our first author that we have on our podcast. Oh,
1: really? Yes, yes, yes. yes.
0: Um, And we're very, very, very glad to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, You're the author of, well, you're the editor uh, of Bok Bok Books, and the author of a book title that I will allow you to pronounce on my behalf. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> please, tell us uh, Yeah, the <laughs> title
0: and what, what's it called and what's it about?
1: So it's a bilingual book. It's called White and Black. And the uh, Bengali title is Thabthobe or Kuchkute. So Thabthobe and Kuchkute doesn't really uh, translate to white and black. Thabthobe means really white and Kuch kuchuji means really deep black so it's kind of mm-hmm. like there's special words in bangla mm-hmm. that convey more than just the color it's just the sensation of that color that it conveys so oh um,
0: okay then okay yeah. so we'll yeah.
1: with the rest of the words in the book okay so okay
0: i mean <laughs> yeah yeah because um yeah we all had a look at it and um it uh, like the title says, it's kind of like a high contrasting art style, like it a you know, white and black art style. But then the, I guess the title also kind of talks about something a little bit deeper than that. There's a little kind of, there's an evocative sense to it as well. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can go into it a, a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I could start with a bit of a background for the book maybe. Uh Yeah,
0: yeah, like where did you get the um, idea to sort of make the book and what was the process like with uh with sort of putting it together, like, finding um, that balance between Bangla and English?
1: Yeah, well so basically the whole process started when my daughter was born in 2016 and that's when um, the whole idea of raising a child bilingual, bilingually became a reality for me. And um, my husband doesn't speak Bangla, uh, and his family doesn't. My family is uh, mostly in Bangladesh. Uh, so I thought I would have to do something a little bit more to fill that void. And um, yeah, so I was lucky enough to go back to Bangladesh every year and kind of just pick up as many books as I could to encourage her to like Bangla. And um, to be honest, although I found loads of books, it just didn't match up in terms of quantity and quality uh, of the books that we can find over here, the English books that we can find over here. And um, I mean, mind you, there's lots of new publishing houses that are doing those for uh, uh, Bangla children's literature in Bangladesh, but I just thought, you know, I could contribute a little bit maybe to that. <laughs> uh, so I started uh, off with what books with, Zero uh, background in publishing and very little investment. <laughs> I just thought this is just going to be a project I do for my children. I'm just going to go ahead and, and do it. So that's the whole story behind um, Bok Bok Books. But then I thought, okay, now I have to make a book. And um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, we, my husband and I were like trying to come up with lots of um, ideas for it. But then one day when I was giving Rabia a bath, I, just, I put on the Bangla nursery ride right for her and when I gave her a bath. And um, so uh, it, the, the video started playing Hon um, Hon Pon Pon, which is a, a poem by a very famous uh, Bangla uh, poet called Shukarai. And um, he wrote in the 1800s, but he's still very much alive in Bangla. Children's literature, uh, even now. And um, so the poem has these special words um, that are kind of like onomatopoeia, but they're more, it's not just sound sensations, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's basically a whole range of sensations that it conveys. Uh, So I thought. Bama is filled with these languages, and, you know, why don't I just introduce this to a wider audience, you know, because they're (laughs) such fun words. Uh, So, yeah, I just uh, looked into it a little bit more, got more interested in it, and after that, it kind of all just, you know, fell into place. I just thought, it's going to be a black and white book, because I love the whole idea behind introducing books to newborns, Because I didn't know that before I had my daughter. Somebody came and told me, you should read to your child from day one. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's made a massive difference. So I thought, let me uh, go with that idea. And then, luckily enough, one of my favorite artists, the illustrator for the book, Farah Khanbukar, was actually in the UK at that time. She was doing uh, an MA in um, illustration. So I thought... um, why don't I just meet up with her and just beg her? And yes, like, no <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, she really liked the idea, and she uh, kind of went with it. And it was a massive, steep learning curve, and I'm still learning, but. I feel like it's kind of geared me up for more projects in the future. Oh, I
0: love that. I love that. Yeah, that you just had... uh, Well, you kind of realised a sort of gap in the market, that there was uh, something that you wanted, that you wanted for your children, that you didn't... That you wasn't finding to a good quality anywhere else. So you just went out and did it yourself. That's like... That's insane. Like, no one ever like, feels that they can, but you have the confidence to do that, which is, like, just absolutely amazing. Uh, and I love that you said that, um, yeah, the um, the kind of stuff that you're hinting at in the book that uh, that aren't quite onomatopoeia in the Bangal language, just, like, kind of beautiful, playful, kind of uh, evocative kind of stuff in the, in the words that goes a little bit deeper than just the literal text itself. Uh, yeah, you do kind of get that in a lot of different languages that you just don't get in English. Like, we convey a lot of Uh, or in most English kind of, like, speech, we convey a lot of, uh, like, meaning through the tone rather than the literal words themselves, but Uh, you're able to kind of access a different type of emotion, a different kind of evocative sense through the Bangla language, right? Yeah. Our
1: language is beautiful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I love the pride there as well. I mean, uh, (laughs) Kelly, Olu, what are your kind of, backgrounds and upbringings in terms of, uh, being bilingual. What? What's? Uh, we'll start with you, Kelly. Like, what was your? Yeah, okay. uh, you know, what was your upbringing?
2: Okay, uh, so I was. Um, I was born in England, um, raised in England, and um, brought up in the Midlands um, by parents who. Uh, my mother was illiterate, didn't speak any English at all. My father spoke enough to get by. Um, so I went to school, and I had. Um, I really struggled at school um, because I felt that not having English as a first language held me back. Um, and I felt I didn't have that literacy support that I think our kids have these days, that kids do have generally. And I felt mm. it knocked my confidence because I also struggled with being an Asian Indian person in England where there was there, there still was that sort of finding my identity. And I felt very confused growing up Um I was at the time forced to go to what, well, I'm a Sikh, so I was forced to go to Sikh school. And there I learned Punjabi and I was actually able to get an A-level in Punjabi, um, which was you know, a, a real achievement for me because I struggled with all the other GCSEs or O-levels in my day and A-levels at school. I really struggled with that type of learning. Um, uh-huh. And um, the fact that I got an A-level in my own language gave me some confidence that I could achieve something that I could do these things. <laughs> Um, so um, that, and, and although it was forced at the time, I realise now in retrospect it was actually the making of me because it helped me to understand that I could actually. Learn something and do something with a, with a language, and um, have since discovered you know, that I can, um, I have a way of learning languages. I, it, it opens up so many things for you. It's helped me immensely with my career. I've worked in lots of different jobs. One of the roles I've had is um, working on a project called Our Languages, where we celebrated mother tongue. And um, we were able to work with the government, with funding from the government and funding from other charities, um, to show that if a child is encouraged to learn their mother tongue, um, and um have confidence in their culture learn about their culture so whether that's through dance through you know um, religious classes whatever it is um they actually get some um, better educational outcomes than children who aren't and that's not just language that's just generally so they get better grades in their gcses if they're encouraged to celebrate their uh-huh. culture and their um, bilingualism and it opens oh, up their mind to a different way of thinking as well so um at the time, I think I had a really tough time growing up um, bilingual because I thought it helped me back. But looking back now, I realise how much benefit it had as well. So, oh, okay. a, so a did your parents did
0: your parents speak Punjabi in the home, or you only got that at school?
2: My parents only spoke Punjabi at home. Um, okay. My mother couldn't read or write, so that was another yeah. challenge. Um, and um, I only spoke English at school. So as soon as the moment I walked into in through the door, the idea was that I was Indian, you know. And I think I think yeah. part of that was they always thought they were going to have to go back one day, you know that. They wanted us to be able to go mm. back and readjust and live in that. And I never and I only visited India when I was five and then not again until I was sixteen. So there was a huge gap in oh, my ow. cultural understanding of where I came from and everything. So yeah, yeah. It's very different to your own um, experience of um, being bilingual Romana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the idea that you kind of said that you were forced uh, mm. to learn it in school, implying that there was like, you didn't want to. No, like, I didn't. I I, I
2: I really struggled to come to terms with being Indian um, because I wanted to be like the other kids at school. I wanted to be white. I wanted to be, I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to, you know, have all those challenges that you have as an Yeah, yes. yeah, like uh, growing
0: up in certain environments, you yes, kind of feel yeah. like that's the norm. Yeah. And, like growing up white, growing up like kind of like everyone else, like that's the norm and I'm different yes and I'm different And when
2: you're a child you don't want to be different you want to yeah you want to be the same as everybody else yeah and it's Um, only as you get older that you you realize you're unique and you have this uniqueness which is what makes you stand out but growing up can be quite difficult in that sort of setting and when I think of my own children now um, it's totally different it's a completely different um, era I guess yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's been a while since like I was a child as well, but um I kind of uh <laughs> kind of have the the same kind of feeling as you like that idea of being forced like to learn another language, Mm. like everyone else isn't doing it. What's the, what's the point? And I just, I don't want to be different to everyone else. Like I uh, grew up in a, well, my parents are Nigerian. They speak uh, the Yoruba language in Nigeria. um, But I didn't grow up learning that language at all. And it was kind of like a sense of, Oh yeah, the parents are having their adult conversation in their language. Mm. And I, this isn't for my years. I don't need to like know this or whatever. But then yeah, growing up, um, you go to family barbecues or whatever and, you, you know, you don't need to know the language to know when someone's making fun of you because you can't understand what they're yes. saying, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's, like, an effort of, yeah, I've, like, lost out in, in some sense, in some way because, yeah, I didn't grow up with that. Uh, and I guess this is kind of where white and black is helpful because it kind of makes learning a different language, in a sense, yeah. like, fun yes, rather than yeah. just... Your parents forcing you, or society kind of making you feel weird for
2: doing it? Yeah, think like you can yeah, see yeah.
0: why I'm black in think it's
2: and, I think it's really yeah. clever because. Um, when I grew up you could only get books in Punjabi or books in English, there wasn't a crossover, you know, you, you had to yeah. read one or the other, you couldn't read them both at the same time and I think bilingual books now have really moved on and I think that's really exciting and what mm. you've done, Romano is to show that it's fun in both languages and that could be quite hard um, to, that was hard to find when I was growing up Yeah,
0: <laughs> Olu, Olu what about you, how did you grow up and uh, what was, uh, what? how was bilingualism treated in, in your home and has it affected oh, your sort yeah. of professional adult like
3: in any way yeah um quite interesting um for me it's a bit different um i grew up i was born in nigeria um i grew up in nigeria i was there for 27 years um before i moved to england so um going to school we were taught in english but um in my house so i grew up four of us and just my mum. um we only spoke Yoruba, which is the same as yourself, uh, Josh. Mm. Um, my mom would only speak Yoruba to us in the house, even though we answer with English, she would reply back with Yoruba. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was always like that. She was, you know, she does initially, she was like, Okay, um, you know, speak to me. Don't speak to me in English. I always only speak to me in Yoruba. <laughs> but because, you know, we at school, we weren't speaking that language. So. Um, um, we, used we used to always come back and speak anything. English to her So she just got used to it And she was like, that's <laughs> fine I'm just going to answer you back in Yoruba <laughs> In order and to make uh, a
0: problem in your life Yeah <laughs> Like I just refuse so, to speak this lesser
3: language <laughs> Exactly, exactly So it, it was quite interesting um, Obviously we then had to learn how to write it as well Mm. Apart from speaking it And then I had grandparents who spoke a different dialect of the same language Oh, that's the worst Which even made it a bit more difficult um, So every time we went to see my grandparents They'll be speaking to me And they'll, they'll be insulting my mom in that language Saying, well, haven't you taught them how to understand this this side of the language? You've only taught them the basic side of the language And, you know, so again We had to learn the dialects of that one language as well <laughs> so yeah gr- growing up was it was fun um being able to speak in- english to us was obviously a, the second language as it were um but because we were all taught in english it, it made it made things look a bit different from our point of view so when everything you know when you watch tv it's all in english everything around you is in english but my mom made sure that you know that Yoruba everywhere we went to. So unlike like, you. When we go to family gatherings, no one can make fun of us yeah, because we're, we're, I'm jealous. <laughs> we're all speaking the same language. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. I, I was never really good at writing it, um, but you know, speaking it was 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 um, really good. Um, and Nigeria, being the way it is, it's, we've got loads of languages I'm sure it's the same Kelly and Romana um, so again instead trying to learn different languages as well apart from the one you speak mm-hmm. um, and we speak something called pidgin English which is broken English as well that, so yeah. everyone everyone had to learn that as well so basically you don't when you see your friends you don't speak proper English you know if you speak proper English they'll look at you and you'll be like oh, what are you on about you know, you have to speak that pidgin English, which is a mixture of English and Yoruba and, you know. And so, yeah, language was quite interesting growing up. Um, so I came here um, and I met my wife, who um, is from a different country. Um, oh. And they speak a totally different language. Oh, what so, language? What country? Uh, so my wife's from Uganda. Okay. Uh, and she speaks Luganda. Um So that made it quite interesting for our kids as well and and for myself because also I don't like the fact that I'm somewhere where people are having a conversation and I don't understand what they're saying, especially (laughs) if it's my wife. Um, So I found myself trying to learn another language as well. Oh, no. you don't want her having secret conversations with the kids, that? <laughs> yeah, that exactly. It exactly. might affect you or your wallet. <laughs>
0: that you don't know about.
3: So yeah, language became more interesting when we had kids. Um, so it means they had to then learn two different languages. Uh, to make it even more difficult, we had a childminder who spoke a totally different language. He was a family oh friend. God um and oh, well. what does so that like? <laughs> yeah my son was really confused initially you know he would speak the language of of the child to us and we'd be like oh what's he saying is that from your language no is it from yours <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so know who's who. yeah who's who yeah so about? it was it was quite interesting but you know i, I I loved it um i still you know have an interest i mean this is this is
0: probably like a good jump off into like the next question although i'll briefly like stop back on what you said previously i like the idea of your grandparents telling your parents oh i'm um, telling your mum even like oh you've only taught him the basic languages and my language is advanced and you've only given him level one. Yeah. <laughs> What's the yeah. matter of you? I didn't do this with you. Why have you done this with him? That's was, yeah, that's yeah. exactly something my grandparents would have said
1: to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> no hundred percent
0: But um but yeah, you kind of brought up the children. So now uh yeah, we've all kind of explained like our upbringings and Romani, you kind of touched on it a little bit of your desire for your uh, for your daughter. But how do you pass that on? how do you pass on that uh that ability to learn sort of multiple languages, uh, or to speak multiple languages. I mean, we kind of mentioned that schools. If you grow up in England, then everyone's spe- they're speaking English in the schools, and then you kind of say it at home. But is that really the right way to go about it? I mean, how have you kind of uh, raised your children bilingually? Do you make a conscious effort to do it, or is it natural? What's what's our techniques here? Um, do you want me to go first?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, sure, Amara. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so. I mean, it has definitely been a conscious effort. Uh, first of all, uh, my background is uh, very similar to Uru. Uh I came here when I was 27. Before that, I had um, my education in Bangladesh was um, um, an English medium, that they call it. Uh, the medium of instruction was English, so um, I'm very, very comfortable speaking English. So uh, it's kind of like
3: <laughs> English,
1: Bangla, and English. Yeah, it's a mixture of both. Uh, so I'm very comfortable switching between the two languages, but you know, carrying on a conversation just in English or just in Bangla is uh, it can be quite taxing for my brain. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it has been a conscious effort to just speak in in uh, Bangla with my daughter. But the first two years of her life, I just um, You know, even though it made my brain really tired, I would just, you know, uh, the main thing that I did early on was I kind of just pointed to things and gave her the Bangla words for it, just to set up the foundations of the language. Yeah, my kind of
0: association of this and this word, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, And I knew that she was getting enough input uh, in English from other people, and I was the only one um, giving her (laughs) input in Bangla. So I just carried on doing that. And then when she started speaking, she chose to speak in English, uh, never said a Bangla word. Um, And that's understandable because um, Mm -hmm. conversations aren't really modeled to her, right? Uh, She hears English conversations, but she doesn't hear Bangla conversations mm. so much. But so to kind of. Um,
0: well, but, but how that. did that feel, that, like for you putting in the effort for so many years and then when she gets the choice of her own to just go English? I was that.
1: very annoyed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> like, thinking.
1: How <laughs> yeah. um, Do you know the work well, up I put I kind of understood. Like, even in her little brain, she figured out that it's much more useful this language because. You know, um, yeah. that's gonna get her further than speaking Bangla when she's in the UK, right? So um, uh, no, I was just uh, I I thought about it. I thought maybe I should just model more conversations, uh, Bangla conversations. So I, I I try and call my uh, my father or my sister in Bangladesh and uh, to help her see conversations.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so she so can so, see the kind of useful uh, practical actual application of yeah the words that you're teaching her rather than just identifying a thing as a bangle word.
1: Exactly. That's it. And also, um, she's a little traitor at the moment. I cannot be forcing her to do anything. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, or, or even like hint at the fact that I'm trying to coax her to do something. So I just try to... Um, uh, I kind of introduce rich, varied language uh, through books, which is what we're doing. We read books uh, out to her quite a lot. So yeah, no coaxing, no forcing, just <laughs> letting her appreciate language.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Maybe. Especially with teenagers, as soon as you tell them you want something from them or of them, or you try to make something look cool or like attractive, that's when they turn off immediately.
1: Oh, <laughs> like just
0: in general Jesus. with
1: everything. Three teenagers are worse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I hope you listen to this podcast as well. This would be amazing part to hear, um, <laughs> Oli Kelly. I mean, uh, yeah. Do you have any kind of thing to add on that? How How have you kind of raised um, if you are even raising bilingual children? Um,
2: do
3: you want to go first? Okay, so um, for us it's um, I tend to speak uh, the the language more when I'm angry at them Um, (laughs) (laughs) when I'm telling them off that's when I That's a natural
0: native (laughs) kind of emotion When that comes
3: out then they know, yeah, daddy's angry (laughs) Um, but they understand it you know, um, and that's the thing Um, even though it's, it's usually easier when both parents are speaking the same language, the children can pick it up. But when they, speak, when they speak different languages, it's even more difficult. So when I'm telling them off, I'm doing it in my language. The <laughs> missus is doing it in her language. But they both, they both understand it. Um, they both understand where we are both coming from. Um, I try to speak um, the language just the way my mom did. Um, to my kids, but they weren't having it, um, <laughs> it, was, it and it's been quite difficult. Um, for my son, he's, he's at a stage where uh, he's like a sponge, he's more curious, you know, at nine, he's trying to pick up things, he's curious when you talk in a language, but my daughter, so I've got a disabled daughter, um, so she she doesn't pick up things like every other child would, um, so for her, it's more of a struggle, Um, So with how we've just stuck to majority of English, we don't, we don't speak any other language because we're struggling to speak English anyway. Um, But we're hoping that while we speak that with with my son, she'll, you know, assimilate the same thing and and grow with it. So, yeah, yeah, so the house majorly, it's it's English. Um, uh, it's really difficult because mm-hmm. at times I find myself speaking English to the wife and, and I, and I start speaking my, my language in between the whole thing. And Stim she's like, out, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, know, you don't know it really. Yeah. It's unconscious. Um, and it's the same with the children, but with the children, they, they do get the story. They get the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, they know, they understand where we're from. Um, and I think it also affects their identity as, as well. well for, for the, the children. children. Um, because, you know, I, I would always say it. Yes, th- I always ask my son, I'm like, where do you think you're from? It, and he says, oh, I'm British. And I'm like, he, he's like, I'm British, but my, my roots are Nigeria and Uganda. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's quite interesting. Why do you think so? Because, oh, mom's from here, dad's from here. You know, because a lot of our children are losing their, their identity, identity. Um, mm. because they don't they don't know where mm. to fit in. Um, and language helps them to fit in, culture helps them to fit in. And not losing all that is is, is quite an important thing. So it's about drumming it in them, making them realise, you know, this is where the parents are from. Ideally you are not from there, but your heritage is from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that
0: kind of work, like making that kind of conscious effort, is important too. It is, yeah, and yeah. It's,
2: a, it's it's hard it's work. a real it's a real dilemma. I still find I still get asked, "Where are you from?" And having a name like Kelly Sadie Badwell, people always yeah c- quest, The first thing they always ask me is, "Where are you from?" And I'm kind of like. Right, okay. So <laughs> what do you mean where well, I'm from Derby? I was born there. Like <laughs> yeah. like, okay, really and then they kind that. of don't oh, know what but, to say but next. But really, said, <laughs> you're asking yeah. about my heritage. Okay, my heritage is Indian. My parents are from India, but I was born in this country. I have an Indian heritage, yes, you know, and it's that kind of and that can be quite a distinction to make because I still see myself as Indian, but I'm also British. So it can be quite um, yeah, that's one of the questions people generally almost always ask me and and you kind of almost have to place yourself and prove and i think bilingualism and culture and heritage are such an interesting topic you know it's it's yeah yeah it it does a lot of it does go hand in hand but um it's a really um it's it's a it can be a very divisive topic as well it's it's a a conversation that can be really difficult to have but yeah you're absolutely right Oli, that that conversation about where are you from it's very, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: yeah, because it's normally presented in a way that it should be a very simple question yes. with a very simple answer,
2: but it often
0: isn't, which is fine. It's yeah, sort of like, yeah. you know, that answer can be multifaceted. It could be split amongst, well, yeah, like we like were your children. There's, a, uh, there's, I was born in this country, but my one, my one parent's from this country, my mm. one parent's from this country, and we also have grandparents who speak a different dialect from this like, sort of region. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it can, and all of these things make up me. Make up yes. my identity, yes. Yes. and yeah. that yeah. is yeah. fine. But yeah. then, um, yeah, certain situations, certain environments, uh, the world you grew up in might not make, might not uh, uh, accept that answer as valid, which is sad sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but then we have, well, yeah, more kind of culture, more uh, activities and events, and media, and yeah, you know, books and films and stuff that m- normalise that kind of multifaceted, multilingual idea, which I think is good, which we're seeing like more and more about there in the world. Hence, um
2: getting white and black on the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, my so just to go back to um my children. Um so my children aren't bilingual. They both speak English mostly. Um um one of the one of the challenges I've had is I married um, somebody who is from India but um he grew up in Australia as well. But um he speaks um Hindi um and he speaks it in a very modern way and I speak Punjabi in the way that was probably spoken about fifty Years ago, in the village that my parents came from, so um, when I speak, he tells me I sound like his grandmother. So, not very romantic at all. <laughs> um, so, we're not. Um, we, we don't. We tend to speak in English to each other, and um, my Hindi is good, and it comes from Bollywood films because that's another passion of mine. Um, uh-huh. And um, but it's I, I don't feel you know as confident in it as he does. And um, again, he he speaks English. You know, there's. Um, a bit of Hindi and a English, bit of English. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so we've, again, a bit like you, Oli, we kind of go back to speaking English because it's a language we both speak well. And hence yeah. the kids are picked up. They do know enough words to be able to communicate with. They go to India every year um, and spend the summer there with their grandparents. Um, but their grandparents both speak English as well, as as, as do all their cousins and uncles and aunts and when we go over there it's a novelty for them because they're like speak to us in English because we want to learn it properly we want you to talk English all the time, don't speak anything else you know, it's that kind of, right okay we're here to learn your language yeah. and you're trying to you know and it's that kind of yeah so um, that, that's always quite interesting and, George, yeah. and I find that when I go to India now it's no different to being in England there isn't that cultural divide anymore everybody there has moved on you know it was it isn't what it was when my parents left the country so it's changed so much that I don't feel any different coming there than I do being in London, so it's, um, you know, it, there, there isn't that divide anymore or any differences in culture or anything. So everything is literally the same over there as it would be here. So um, it's, um, but I'm, I'm very, very proud of my culture. So I'm constantly teaching my kids about my culture. I'm constantly teaching them about our background, where we come from, mm-hmm. you know, the things we eat. Um, they love their Asian food. Um, yeah, you know, food's
0: in your household. Yes, isn't it? yeah, yeah. Prefer
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it to anything else. Um, they um, understand the dressing the dresses we wear, the saris, the solar kameezas and everything, they understand all that. Um, yeah, they, they get the culture, which I think is just as important as the language. And yeah, there, there is a part of me that is bereft that I haven't taught them the language, but they have learnt enough to be able to get by. They understand the basic words. They can have a you know, how are you conversation with people who don't speak English, you know, that sort of thing. So they can have some conversations. They can watch a Bollywood movie. They usually do. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't do them too badly, I guess <laughs> yeah well,
0: and also yeah if you want to have a secret conversation of the other half oh yes absolutely yeah. they always know they always say oh we know they what you're talking
2: mountains. we know what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> i no, know you're talking it's... about me I know what you just said <laughs> no, yeah and it's I yeah i did send my um older son um, who's now at university to um um, Sikh school um, and he went for a while and we eventually chose to pull him up because they were putting pressure on him to grow his hair wear a turban to um, you know grow up as a Sikh with mm-hmm. long hair and wearing all the Sikh traditional stuff and that I didn't feel was there um, it wasn't their choice. It was, it was a choice yeah, that we had made nice. together with him. And um, it's not something I wanted dictated by somebody outside of the family circle. So I chose to take him out of that, sadly. But um, it's, it's difficult because you want them to make their choices and you want them to have all the information they can have to make the choices that they make. But it's um, it's a really difficult one because we have a very strict um if you're going to you know to be a Sikh you can't cut your hair you have to wear it long you have to cover it all that kind of stuff and we chose um not to do those things for our own personal reasons and that's that's a difficult one as well because that's when culture and religion start colliding and that gets even more difficult so um it's um yeah. yeah it's trying to make those choices but um doing it for the reasons that you believe you want to do it for Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: a good point. And um yeah, I'd actually like to maybe quickly kind of expand on that. Like how much of an influence does uh society like your native society have on Mm -hmm. your choice of how to raise your kids? So like Ollie, you're saying that um your grandparents would obviously chastise your mother for not having taught her uh not having her not her having taught her kids, like her specific their specific um sort of dialects. Uh so like, would that then kind of spur your mum because, you know, her her elders are telling her to do a certain thing? Um, does that, like, make her want to do a certain way? Or
3: Well, I think the thing about my mum was she was a rebel. So whatever, <laughs> whatever you say really doesn't change what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as... Because, interestingly, um, a I little story about happen. her. Um, so Sorry. my dad was a Christian, and my mom was born into a Muslim family, so she converted to a Christian to marry my dad. So my granddad had always not liked us because we were Christians and he was a, a Muslim. Um, so that even made it even it, so the relationship <laughs> was a bit tricky um, because he, he used to call us a name which meant Christian. Um, every time he looked at us, he would be like, You Christians, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, okay. and like a, yeah, like so a I, I found him really so funny, yeah, like, like a, a slur. Um, so every time he said that to my mom, my mom just goes, oh, it's just this old man ranting again kind of mm-hmm. thing. So she never really made the effort. She just said to us, look, if you don't understand, if you want to understand it, you know, this is what you need to do. This is how you can understand it. And at the end of the day, we all got to understand it um, at our own okay. pace and time because mm-hmm. we, weren't, we weren't forced to do that. So then, moving down the generation for you, and feel free to interject,
0: or Kelly. But um, yeah, does your parents, does their kind of
3: influence on you, like, have any influence on how you raise your children? Absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's, it's it, because it's culture. You want to continue that culture and that tradition. So, as Kelly was saying, you know, the children know about all the you know traditional clothes we have, all the food we eat. You know the kind of, as you may know, just from growing up. When you when want, you to, want greet to greet your, your parents, parents, you have to, uh, you frustrate. know, lie down, lie down flat on the floor. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, full on press up. Yeah. 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 So all those kind of things, you you want to still keep those and and in that and not let it go with any new traditions that because they are born in England and they are British does not mean that they lose a tradition um, because the tradition yeah. is part of us and should remain part of us as well. Yeah, so, I'll definitely say on the um, on the kneeling. Uh, it's a, it's a sign of respect for your Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: we do um, the same thing in remember. our
2: culture as well. Yeah, the the uh, the boys have oh, they they still yeah, they will that. still do it, and they touch their grandparents' feet when they meet them, and that's and, yeah. that's like a sign of respect as well. And we always greet with our hands together, and we have a certain <laughs> way of saying hello, which is Sat <laughs> Siri which is you know kind of be blessed kind of thing. So God is uh, for things. So yeah, I
0: remember I remember I have I have a an- uncle who um and you know I'm, I'm about to tell a story here and i pray to god my dad doesn't hear this but i have an uncle <laughs> um older than this my is a podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's going everywhere i know oh you might not hear me next week <laughs> um uh, i have an uncle older than my father so sort of my father's elder and very much my elder Um, who whenever he'd like come to visit the house, yeah, I'd obviously have to prostrate. And he'd always insist in such a forceful way. Like, you know, when it wasn't quite natural for me to like, you know, get down on the floor and like bow and stuff, uh, he'd always like grab me by the scruff of my neck and really push me down to the earth (laughs) (laughs) just to to get that respect instilled in me. And then sometimes I'd look at my own father thinking, aren't you going to do anything about this? Uh, And because the uncle was older than him no he couldn't he just looked back wow. at me like oh well no sorry that's how it works so, yeah
3: uh, yeah
0: kiss Absolutely. the ground fam. <laughs> kiss the ground man yeah. um yeah. so yeah yeah so, i mean just kind of rounding off that uh yeah parental or societal influence on you whether that yeah. has an it's, impact it's, on how. It yeah it's, your, it's
2: it's really interesting because where i grew up um There was a ghetto, you know, where people of certain religions lived together. Um, so you had Muslims living in one area of Derby, you had the Sikhs living in one area. English people never go near those areas. It was that kind of divide, unfortunately. Um, and even when I go back now, um, we call it the village because it is like going back home to India to a village because those people have stayed together, they live together, you go to certain areas, you will only see Sikh people walking around those areas, you'll see Sikh shops, Sikh food shops, Sikh clothes shops, the the Gurdwara, you know, all those things are all together and they're still there together and you get the same sort of people living in those areas and that, um, they've, they've really held on to their roots and there's a real fine balance it's really hard to achieve of moving forward living in a western country and you know you've come here to make yourselves better to take advantage of you know all the um, things that you get in a, a country like england like education health all those kind of outcomes that we all aspire to and um, to get that but to also hold on to your culture it's a really really fine balance and it, it can be quite hard wow. to find that tipping point um, but when yeah you can find it but it is it is hard work. Mm, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, and
0: that's a really good point to finish on because we're almost out of time. So, um, <laughs> yeah,
2: speaking about, um,
0: where to get it, uh, the book we've been talking about, White and Black by, uh, Romana Yasmin, it's available to be purchased online through www.awhiteandblackbook.com. That's Uh I also wanted to mention that um, for any of our listeners, for any of our residents, we're based in Sutton, which is in the south of London. And uh, if English is a secondary language, you might be uh, preparing for the International English Language exam or the IELTS exam, i.e. LTS exam. Well, we've got an app for that. If you're a registered Sutton Library member, then we have the Road to Eilits uh, app, which is full of sort of practice quizzes and uh, lessons in reading and writing and uh, listening in English. And there's loads of stuff for you to like get involved with. So if you're registered for Sutton Libraries, uh, the Road to Ilites, uh app may be the thing for you. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, uh, you listeners out there. Um, Feel free to follow us on social media, uh, Sutton Libraries on Twitter, at Sutton Libraries on Twitter, or Sutton Libraries London on Facebook and Instagram. We've got loads of activities and events going on there, and you'll see uh, all the new updates about us. Uh, Thank you so much, Romana, for being with us. Uh, Thank you, Olu. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Oliver, our audio engineer, for uh, engineering this episode. You do really great work for us. And uh, yeah, final thoughts, everyone. I mean, just uh, thank yous and goodbyes, or what? Any any final things to say?
2: Um, it's yeah. been interesting because um, we started off talking about being bilingual, and we've covered all the areas of that whole conundrum of being bilingual, of having a different um, culture, your heritage. Um, that's been really fascinating for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I would say that it's just an uphill battle raising a bilingual child, but it's, it's I think it's it's going to be worth it um, because I already see that my child is interested in languages in general. So yeah, just keep at it. <laughs>
3: yeah, um, I agree with with um, with everyone. Um, I think this is well worth doing. Having bilingual children, I think we should make sure we keep our traditions. Um, with all of our children, and and continue to try. That's that's what we can do. Try and lead by example.
0: Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been your host, Josh. Thank you so much, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.